Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And oh, great, real bullets. We're looking at Three Amigos. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how you doing today? I'm fine, Jeff. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just great because we have a special guest today. We sure do. <laughs> uh, you may have seen them in Mozart in the Jungle or in Broadway's Indecent or recently as Tina Fey's assistant Poppy in season one of Only Murders in the Building. And we can we can but hope that we're going to see them back in season two. It's Adina Versen. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Adina. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. This is this is my favorite podcast. Oh, yeah. So truly, it's, I'm a when starstruck. Oh, <laughs> well, that's hilarious. Adina and I were college roommates, so uh, it's it's very nice when your friends like the things that you make. But also, <laughs> that's a hilarious statement given <laughs> given our backstory. <laughs> uh. I love it. Um, yes, we're so excited to have you join us to talk about this, this film. Of, of like, We had a variety of films that we could have touched on, and it, this felt very fitting. We've got Steve Martin and Martin Short in this, uh, and you're so, so funny in season one of Only Murders, Adina. Uh, I'm oh, very much you. hoping we see more of you and Tina Fey's shenanigans in season two. Uh, Three Amigos came out on December 12th, 1986, and was directed by John Landis and written by Steve Martin, Lorne Michaels, and Randy Newman. Uh, so let's start with you, Adina. What's your experience with Three Amigos? Had you seen it before? I had not seen it before. This, <gasps> um, I know. Shocking. I, uh, When I got cast in Only Murders, I was like, oh, I got to see all of their movies. And then um, and then I was like, well, I don't want to be like starstruck or like be too weird so then i was like i'm not gonna watch any of them um <laughs> I, I i think the only like steve martin martin short film that i'd seen was father of the bride oh mm-hmm. sure um which i loved but yeah so this is my first time seeing three amigos amazing well what were your first thoughts for, for uh for seeing it for your first time um i I was nervous going into it because I was like, why are these three amigos white guys? <laughs> and, and I was like, I hope that this isn't uh, a, yeah. a horror show. portrayal. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was happy to see that they're supposed to be white guys. And, and I was like, I hope they're not like lampooning the Mexican culture. And I was also happy to see that they're kind of lampooning themselves as stupid white guys. Um, very so was, unexpected for 1986. Very you know? unexpected. Yeah. And I was like, are these Mexican actors actually Mexican? And most of them are. Some of them are seem to be uh, at least of some Latin dis- descent. Cuban. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know. And it was interesting. It was like, it's weird to like watch a movie for the first time knowing that you're going to talk about it. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. No, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I felt like it was like one of those, one of the first films uh of the of that kind of style i mean not not one of the first ones but it's like early in that style of like the snl sketch turned movie even though it wasn't mm-hmm. a sketch but like i don't think it was but um it but it uh, does really feel like it though it feels it like this feels could have been like a series it. of sketches on snl right right and so it was um it was weird to see like kind of like the beginning of a sort of genre in a way but i don't know i thought it was funny i thought it could have been funnier yeah but it but i thought it was funny 
it was interesting to see everybody kind of in the like earlier parts of their careers and like to know where they are now and what kind of personas they have now and see how they were like shaped being shaped at that time yeah totally uh what about you amy joe when when did you first see i don't know like elementary or middle school like this Mm. is one i kind of grew up on a bit um because my dad's a huge steve martin fan so we had like seen a ton of you know a ton of steve martin movies and so this was one i haven't seen in Ooh, I don't think I've seen it since like early college, like coming home on a college break kind of thing. I think my my mom and I had had a really hard day on uh, I think the last time I watched it was like, yeah, summer in between sophomore and junior year of college. Uh, so it's been it's been a hot minute. So um, also because we were rewatching Only Murders uh, in in preparation for this. It was fun to see that like in the middle of like we about halfway through the series, we watched Three Amigos and then we finished the series. It's just like fun to see them like looking like children you know children. even though Babies. steve martin going going gray so early does make him a bit more timeless you yeah. know than it's martin true, short is like true. you do look like little netty little netty goes to war uh, i just want to see those shorts i want that to be yeah. a bonus material and just still have it like martin short and clifford have him just playing 10 year old ned have him just playing a child uh today make that today i would want uh, and I had only seen this for the first time last year uh, when I was on the gig, when I was on a boat, uh, one of our Watched a lot of movies on a boat. Watching a lot of movies on a boat when you're trapped in a boat. But uh, one of them was Three Migos, which I'd never seen. And I I agree with you, Adina. It could be funnier. I was, it still made me laugh. I was still, you know, there's certainly, uh, there are movies that hold up less uh, comedies from the 80s specifically yeah. or comedies in general because i feel like comedy is always evolving a little uh, more zeitgeisty yeah zeitgeisty um but i yeah it's there's a lot of good moments i mean we'll talk about it with the casting i think i think maybe if we had one one different amigo in these three amigos i might i might be enjoying feeling different more. about I these three amigos a bit, bit different. who could uh, it be who could it be <laughs> and he's not on only murders in the building then <laughs> Down. And I can't imagine he will be soon. Um, but let's let's get into the plot a bit. Uh, spoilers ahead if you have not seen Three Amigos or haven't seen it in a while. Here's a brief-ish synopsis. I mean, the basic gist, we're in 1916, the time of silent films, and that's who our three amigos are. Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned Niederlander, old little Neddy himself, uh, who act in all of these silent films as as these heroes uh and down in this mexican village santa poco they are uh pretty pretty much being like uh, besieged besieged, by bandits by this guy el guapo and all of his bandits and they she thinks that the movie of the three amigos is that they're actually these heroes this woman carmen in a real galaxy quest kind of galaxy quest very bugs life you know this is like a this is a uh, trope that i love seeing i want more of this of actors who accidentally wind up in it's also a little the man who knew too little slightly with bill murray thinking these run around in some spy shenanigans mm-hmm. um but it's all very fun but it we the three amigos get down there they're you know they think they think they're, they're being performers hot, yeah. they think they're doing a the show they're at this this number them in this big bar of tough singing uh <laughs> This my butter, little my buttercup. Little buttercup. Let me say, when you're someone who watched this in middle school, this is a big staple. 
You know, there's a lot of times when you'll just find yourself singing My Little Buttercup and trying to do the choreography. Was this you and Aaron figuring out? Me and I had a lot of nerd friends, Jeff. Don't limit it to just my brother. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, But yeah, you also skipped over the fact that we saw the scene where they're like trying to negotiate for a salary. Um, and this is where we get several SNL cameos from Phil Hartman, mm-hmm. styled to perfection with his hair mm-hmm. slicked back mm-hmm. and these little these little glasses. Um, and, uh, and John, John Lovitz, Lovitz and Joe Mantegna. Yeah, they that that is a great stupid scene of them sneaking back to get their outfits before they go down to Mexico and see Martin doing these bird calls, just yeah. yelling at Chevy Chase and Martin Short when they pan back and reveal that they are. He's like feet yes, above I, them, ten feet above them. <laughs> Going, look up here, look up, look up here, look up here. But the amigos, they wind up uh, chasing off three of El Guapo's men. They're just bemused. They don't know what these ridiculous guys are doing. Uh, so they bring back El Guapo and like forty men the next day. So our three can amigos I, finally can, realize. Can I rewind yeah. for just one sec? Yes. My favorite part of the whole movie was in the bar scene when they when they drink the tequila, and. <laughs> I like that made me laugh out loud, and then we like rewound it like many times to watch it over again. I think that was my hands down favorite part of the film. It's uh. some great physical choices because <laughs> I thought they were just gonna spit out the tequila because they just right. are told it's like beer. Right. But the choice that they like all as if they're electrocuted, like Chevy Chase's, his foot goes up on the bar in a like a display that was like, has he ever done ballet? Because that that leg is high up there. <laughs> and in like thinking about who could be cast in this, I was like, that was the moment that I was like, who could do, who would make a good choice? <laughs> so <moment>. funny. <laughs> One of the things that I do enjoy about this podcast is like sitting down and talking about what is it about the role that was your way into thinking how do I think about this? Right, and I love right. that your moment from which you <laughs> splintered off to cast was like the moment where they do the tequila shake off if you will that's fantastic oh it is great i love it the amigos finally realize after steve martin gets shot they realize like oh this is all real i would like to say this take this like (laughs) this shot of steve martin going up and like like real bullets and then looking up and and you see (laughs) you see the discovery drop you see the penny drop it is so well done because it's like both so obvious and so subtle but like the way that he like <laughs> his facial expression tracks steve martin realizing he's way in over his head is one of my favorite colors on steve martin <laughs> yes. in dirty, dirty rotten scoundrels whenever he suddenly realizes oh i thought i was getting the best of michael kane and now i'm gonna get beaten up by all these sailors like that all of that when he suddenly realizes like oh no i am the fool uh but yeah they get Chased off kind of in shame as El Guapo kidnaps Carmen and old little Neddy puts his foot down. He's like, I'm draw- literally drawing a line in the sand. Like, this is our one chance to and be And this heroes. is a great moment. Martin Short does this thing with his voice where he, like, lowers it to suddenly, like, he's been doing, like, not even that high pitch, but just this kind of really forward, excited kind of voice, you know? And then suddenly he's loading real bullets into the gun, and he's just, like, talking in a much more grounded, I'm not in a comedy movie kind of way, in a way that's really effective for, like, grounding the emotional circumstances of this, frankly, really ridiculous movie. <laughs> the way he, he's loading those bullets in that gun and getting so dead set and serious is, like... I want the comedy version of Taken with Martin Short today. (laughs) I want to see where's Martin Short's John Wick. That's what I want. (laughs) 
<laughs> when is someone going to let Martin Short just beat up a warehouse full of goons? Oh my gosh, I can't. I truly can't. Even after seeing this movie, I cannot imagine it. So <laughs> I don't, I mean, like I, Martin Short is one of my, like, I think that he is so funny because he is so grounded in reality, even though mm-hmm. he, he can be so absurd, but I think he's so good at that. And, um, and like, I have been, like, I've been wanting to see him do more dra- drama because mm-hmm. of that. I yeah. want to see him as John Wick. I, yeah, I, like, he, yeah. he, he was in, um, uh, um, oh my goodness, what's that show called? Um, Damages? The, no, he had a guest star on the, the, the news show that's on Apple TV. The news show, the morning show? Yeah, he had like a guest star on that and he was great and he was playing this like creepy older dude. Oh, nice. I yeah, I, I mentioned Damages because he was on uh, season three and very similar. They like to cast, it's like him, Lily Tomlin. They like to cast like a lot of comedic actors in oh, dramatic wow, okay. roles. And he's just like this uh, very like corrupt families, like kind of like the, their, I think he's their lawyer. He's like semi their fixer, but mainly just their lawyer and him like, it's just like a rare role for Martin Short. And I'm like, this is great. And he's, you know, I feel like with so many actors that are so good at the comedy that it is seeing like they can all, they have that in them. They have like the dark, they have like those dramatic turns are always really Comedy's interesting harder, to see. You know, I, I what's one of the things I really like about only murders is like, it just, it's so funny and it gives them opportunity to just riff off each other and be these hilarious, like, you know, comedic Titans and yet then have many moments. It's not like, Oh, they each get one moment throughout the whole series where they have a, it's like, it goes to some like dark and painful places. Like even, even in the first episode, there's like a scene of him, like going to his, his son's house and like asking for money. And it's just the fragility is, I don't know. It's, it's just really delightful to, to see someone who's that good be able to like flex their muscles. Cause it's being written by someone who knows how good they are. You know what I mean? Totally, like exactly. it's written yeah. for comedians who are f- fantastic actors. It's such a good showcase for like everything that they do for, for like what it, so many of the actors, it's so yeah. fun for Selena Gomez too. It's like, is yeah. such an unexpected trio that I never would have expected. Mm-hmm. There you go. Replace Chevy Chase with Selena Gomez <laughs> for three amigos. <laughs> Just comp her in now. <laughs> uh, this whole middle seat, this like middle 15 minutes of the movie feels like we realized that we were under time because it, it's the most random this, this is where i feel like number. it should be an animated sequence or something like what is happening <laughs> they they accidentally took peyote all these animals are suddenly like <laughs> these horses just bum, 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 like singing along this turtle saying good night ned this turtle was one of my favorite <laughs> characters in the movie this turtle should have been they, this turtle should be an honorary amigo by the end he, put him in a hat they could that well they reveal the town can sew they could sew a little turtle size absolutely at least in the end in the very end when everyone's shooting kind of just a tiny have one little turtle also crawling around they're like they're, they're over there it's this little turtle bringing <laughs> yeah. the animals have these animals dressed like the amigos too why not and this invisible sword fighter scene or swordsman know, scene it's so bizarre wild this yeah rainy newman as the singing bush as they <laughs> yeah. these they're, they're like special phrase they have to say whatever it is just oh, an excuse right. to have them making the most idiotic noises and right. chevy chase which this effect is great of him that he accidentally shoots this invisible swordsman and you see the little poof in the sand i was like how did they do that <laughs> 
It's you have no idea. And then when, when when the they pick up the wrist and drop it, yeah, and it's, it's like very funny and completely absurd, considering everything that comes before and after in this otherwise grounded-ish movie, uh, right. which I loved. It was completely bananas. Uh, but yeah, the we they get there, they get Carmen, but all of the uh, El Guapona's men are in pursuit. So they get back to the village and they have all the villagers sew all these Amigo costumes. So it looks like oh, the Amigos are everywhere. Wow, it almost looks like they just shot all of those shots with the actual guys playing the three <laughs> Amigos <laughs> running in and out of the rooms. It's like, do they sew leather faces too? <laughs> I, <laughs> we're also great with latex. <laughs> They're all they're like a Hollywood prop studio. Carmen's the, they reveal Carmen's the only one who doesn't know what movies are. The rest of them are like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what this town makes money on. We're the prop department. We're making all of these in very realistic masks. Uh, but then they all come out and we're like, see, it was all the villagers. We just happen to look exactly like Steve Martin, Chevy Chase and Martin Short in those shots for some reason. Uh, but they've they've won the day. They kill El Guapo. He shoots Steve Martin in the foot one last time before he dies, which was uh, that's a way to go. Uh, and the three amigos decide we're going to be heroes. We're going to just keep on b- saving days and uh, searching, lo- sur- searching out for. I love that they're like, we can't take your hundred thousand pesos, but we will take your three really fine horses, um, oh, which are probably <laughs> worth more, and ride off into the sunset um, after all the damage that has been done. And you use all of your fabric to make these fake costumes. <laughs> See ya. And also the wounds are never, like, like he gets shot in the foot and Steve Martin got shot in the arm and that's like never addressed. No, he's fine. He's just, ooh, ow. Was a flesh wound. The, the yeah. arm especially looked like not too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He could still be at least like, it's still a little sore at least. Just limping yeah. a little. Limping a little. Yeah. Well, they get back on the horse soon enough in terms of his uh, his foot. That every time I did laugh when they that's when they mounted the la- when they mount the horses <laughs> yeah. from behind, launching themselves up like gymnasts. That was genuinely funny to me every single time it happened. I was like, I never tire of it. And then the one I could was it actually them? Do we see their faces? Are they actually doing that? I think we do. On some at least of it, on a few. They do it so many times. I'm pretty sure we right. at least have a few where we see them. I love when they all dismount that one time and Chevy Chase was in the middle and and tries to step off but ends up stepping backwards onto the other horse. And that's like Chevy Chase. Like that's just a lovely, like <laughs> practical, tiny little stunt. I was just like that. I... I take great pleasure in small, stupid gestures such as that. So, and that is what this film ultimately has to offer: that's is true. fun, <laughs> yeah, small, true. stupid gestures. And when they work, I think they're very, very funny. So let's get right into it. The casting director of Three Amigos was Jackie Birch, an Emmy nominee for casting the TV movie Bessie. Birch has also cast such films as Predator, Coming to America, and previous episodes Die Hard and The Breakfast Club. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy, Joe, and Adina are hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. I don't have a clue. So let's kick it off with old Dusty Bottoms. So let's start with you, Adina. What are your thoughts on Chevy Chase? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? So my only real experience with Chevy Chase is the National Lampoon... uh, all of those, which yeah. I don't vacation, like. Christmas vacation, and all. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they were put upon me as a child, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and I I don't like. And so, um, so I'm always like, mm, Chevy Chase. So you know, I have thoughts about him coming in. 
he was better than I thought he would be. I, I didn't hate him. I was a little confused. Is he generally or was he thought of as like a sexy guy? Like he's like the sexy one. Well, it's weird. It feels like him and Steve Martin are both very similar to each other characterization wise they're both a it's little dumb lucky's a like, little bit smarter one love interest yeah lucky's yeah. like it feels like he's five degrees smarter uh but i don't know i mean chevy chase i i also you know i saw fletch once i don't i didn't really have, have a lot of experience chevy chase but i feel like it wasn't so much as sexy so much as he's the he's tall <laughs> he's got, <laughs> he's got totally. the tall going for him and tall equals sexy yeah I do also have to say I was a little impressed with his special skills, like the part where he's playing the, the like Mexican guitar and all the villagers are around him. He's ac- he's actually playing. Um, and at the beginning, I actually assumed when they when they are singing in the bar that he wasn't singing. I was like, oh, he's not singing because he can't sing. Um, but then like he sings later and he like plays the guitar and it was so funny. Uh, so I don't know. I he got. He got one more point on my Chevy Chase scorecard, um, which I keep in my wallet. Um, <laughs> how, many, how many points until you like get like a free rental of a Chevy Chase movie? You've got to like punch out you get this whole punch card. You get a free copy or, of Caddyshack. Until maybe you never have to watch another Chevy Chase oh, yeah, Exactly. That's, that's more like it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you had to cast someone else, who would you cast? If I had to cast, okay. Well, you know, I had a lot of ideas. Um, first person that came to mind was Mandy Patinkin. Love it. Patinkin. I would love the Patinkin. Right? I mean, he's about the same age. I think he's a little younger, maybe. Not sure. Comparable. Um, He feels comparable. But I think he's got the, like, theatricality and the, like, charm, especially at that time. I want to see him do a song and dance. Absolutely. Oh, we always want that. I want to hear him singing, singing My Little Buttercup. Right? Um, so I thought, hey, I thought he'd be great. Um, I thought Fred Willard would be oh, great. Oh, yeah. he does Different. great, like, dumb uh, yes. acting. Yes. Totally. He was one of our best dumb actors. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, he was, you know, elsewhere in the film, but I was like, why didn't Phil Hartman play this role? Yeah. 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 Always a shame when Phil Hartman's only in one scene as opposed to every scene. I know. <laughs> Gene Wilder. Oh, yeah. He's older, mm-hmm. but like I, I and mean, yeah, I just think he was already kind of a part of this genre. Um, and he's SNL adjacent because he was married to Gilda Radner. So exactly. he's in the loop, you know. He's totally in the loop. Yeah, I feel like this is like Mel Brooks light, this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So for me, I kept thinking of Mel Brooks, like the Mel Brooks gang. Tim Curry. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Didn't John Landis do Clue? Yeah. Uh, no, it no. was is Jonathan Lynn directed it. But maybe Oh. I thought that John Landis was one of the writers. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Any but anyhow, that world. Um Christopher Lloyd. Ooh, oh, yeah. Fun. I take that. Totally different flavor, but just of the people yeah. like who of the, who were alive then. Um I, but that, that what I want <laughs> is a very different flavor from Steve Martin. It feels like Steve Martin and Chevy Chase yeah. are giving me are too similar. Even though they're so different, they're still similar enough and I want that's what I want. So Christopher Lloyd is giving such a different vibe Absolutely, yeah. to mix yeah. with Steve Martin and Martin Short and yeah. I think that'd be great. And then this is like I don't know if this would work because I don't know if he can do an American dialect, but Roger Reese? Mm, mm-hmm. Oh. 
Okay. It would be a we- kind of a weird choice, but I was like, I love his. I think he's really funny. But uh, yeah, all I know, and he's kind of like I, I, I was first introduced to Roger Reese from Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, right. So right. I was he's the of, sheriff. He's the sheriff of Nottingham, and he's you know still really British. But um, does he? Is there anything where he's playing an American? Oh, I don't know offhand. But like, I feel sure like he he's a silent movie star. Yeah, he or could it's be. That. Yeah, there's it's <laughs> right. he could stars. Know. Why not? Why he's he's the Brit. He's the British one. That's what makes him weird is the British one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then if we were doing it contemporarily, these are just funny people that I would like to see do a movie like this are Ben Schwartz. Um, uh, my fave. I like pl- playing like the sexy dude. Um, love that. Love that. Um, and Donald Glover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if. I guess it would make it would be like it would work to have people of color in these three roles, even though they're like lampooning being stupid white guys. I feel like I feel like it could still work. I feel yeah. like there's absolutely especially if you're making it like today, there's there's yeah. a way that you make that work. And they're just like actors who are up themselves. Yeah, you're really leaning out into touch. out of touch yeah. actor, yeah. I think. Uh, but I love that. And and also very fitting because uh, just not to get too into Chevy Chase, but he's just well known to be a, a huge asshole. But specifically on on community, amongst other things, Donald Glover said that like he was just a vicious bully to Donald Glover throughout community. But amongst oh, no, other things really? said that Donald Glover was only getting so many laughs because he was black. Yeah. What the, that? Yeah. Aside Chevy from being Chase, heinous. Makes no sense. No. No sense. Wow. Um, Okay. I take that. I take that mark on my (laughs) scorecard for Chevy Chase away. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to just just tear up this punch card in general. Back in the wallet. A black X. (laughs) What what was it in like Treasure Island where they delivered the black spot and you'd get one of those and then you'd know you're going to get killed by a pirate the next day. Just make a black spot for Chevy Chase (laughs) and your dad's card. Oh, uh, were those all your people, Adina? Yes, I had some ideas for some ladies if we were going to do Please, I wish you would. I thought Andrea Martin, she was part of the gang. Mm. Um, yeah. Love her. I so thought, funny. So funny. Um, also from like the SETV crew, I mean, because she was on SETV, um, Catherine O'Hara. But oh, I thought Catherine O'Hara could also be like the Ned character. I'm not sure when she was younger, which slot she would kind of feel better um gilda radner oh yeah mm-hmm. if we're going a little kookier yeah i could really see her in the ned role because of that kookiness that she was so like good Roseanne, at. rosanna dana yeah it's very yeah those are um, great though and then oh, sorry i have even more i have two more two more women please lay them on um, us um leslie ann warren if we're going clue oh. Um, because she's sure. so sexy and then madeline khan is also the same sort of flavor i'd love to see yeah. Her in a sombrero. Sure. Yeah. I don't think she's wearing a sombrero and blazing saddles. No, she's playing Marlena Dietrich, basically. <laughs> yeah. Those are great. Uh, how about you, Amy Jo? Thoughts on Chevy Chase? Who'd you cast? If you got to cast someone else. I will say he was better than I expected him to be, given I hadn't watched this movie in many years, and I had learned more about Chevy Chase in the interim. And I will also say I had never seen a vacation movie mercifully i had not had them foisted upon me in my youth but we were doing uh like christmas eve 
um, with like your my my brother in law type thing, and there were lots of kids and tons of people around, and so that it was on TV and they threw it on, and I was like, this is not. To my taste. Oh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I do not enjoy this, and I'm glad I didn't grow up watching. Yeah. This is, it was just wasn't, it's just not funny to me. Um, so I will say I was like, I found him funnier than I was expecting given, yeah, how I, I was, how I am viewing him right. in I mean, this there's a time. reason that the guy was headlining so many comedies That's throughout exactly the 80s right. and 90s. He it is wasn't funny. a fluke. It's, he can be funny and yeah. also be an asshole. Yes. People, you know. Turns out the two are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> right. um, my first choice is John C. Riley. Ooh, oh, I be, love that. Very yeah. funny. Plays a dope really, really well. Um, I then this Ooh, is a very different kind of dope, and also he is someone who I think would have made also a good lucky day. Is John Lithgow, um, yeah. just wanting a a tall nonsense clown. Um, and then now this is the SNL person that I wish that very well could have been in this role, and why wasn't he? Is Dan Aykroyd. Because yep. this, to me, is the Dan Aykroyd role, and he does have enough of an energetic difference from Steve Martin, and he plays that kind of, you know, I mean, in in the seventies when he was doing a lot of cocaine, he was a, a very high energy kind of performer, but also uh-huh. he just plays this kind of like hound dog kind of energy really well. But it's so funny. I do love a Dan Aykroyd moment, and then. Yeah, I had some thoughts if we were casting women, and I thought, you know, who would be fun to see in a role like this? Kate McKinnon. Of course. Oh, Which, yeah. I mean, she's just a hoot in everything. You could put her in all the parts, but I was like, yeah, I'd enjoy seeing her being kind of playing uh, someone who conceives of themselves as sort of like a dumb hunk. Um, yeah. And then I have one that's a trio that I'll just do them all together. So Love it. Uh, I I would like a John Ritter. Oh, here. yes. Very oh. fun. I would find very fun. Uh, I could see Kevin Klein. I'd be into. I'm not mm-hmm. sure with like him and Steve Martin, if that's a switch of a roles or if they're also too, too close in terms right. of in like, attack. Yeah. I could see Michael McKean if we're thinking about Clue. Mm. Uh, I was also totally. like Phil Hartman would have been great. Uh, I was thinking John Lithgow, but then I was like, well, what if you get John Lithgow in the Steve Martin role, French Stewart in the Chevy Chase role and Little baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the Ned Niederlander role, and you're just getting the third rock from the Sun Boys. Yeah, yeah, uh, I do have French Stewart elsewhere on my list. So, <laughs> uh, and those those are my picks. Those are my my picks. Uh, some great picks all around, I must say. Uh, but that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guys. So soon. The way it works: two of the following actors were up for the role of Dusty, and one was not. And Amy, Joe, and Adina have to guess which is which. Your options are. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Eddie Murphy. So, Adina, who do you think was considered, and who do you think, or who do you think was not? So, two of these actors were up for the role, and one was not. So, who is some guy? I am going to guess. Oh, I'm going to say Bill Murray was not. I'm also going to say Bill Murray. I am sorry. You're both incorrect. Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy, as far as I oh, could tell, was not considered. But he'd be very funny in this. He would be. I think that's also giving you such a different energy from Steve Martin. And I want to see that version. I want to see Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, and Martin Short all being idiots together. I think would be yeah. real yeah. fun. Um, but 
Steve Martin originally wrote it as a starring vehicle for him and Dan Aykroyd. Telling me I'm surprised. <laughs> by the time that they were finally able to make the film, Aykroyd wound up being unavailable. And then for a he time, was doing Blues Brothers? Or Blues Brothers was before this, yeah? Yeah, Blues Brothers. I didn't see anything. I don't think I saw anything in this specific year. So it might have just been some other film, either the year before or the year prior. Just like something came up. Because they had to go on location for this and all sorts yeah. of stuff. So. Uh, and for a brief period of time, Steven Spielberg was considering directing this movie. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Steven Spielberg oh, was, like, was gonna did play. Did he just Dusty decide Bums? in the mid eighties I'm an actor now? What you know a what? film to jump in with! I've already <laughs> reached the reached the pinnacle as a director. I'm gonna tackle a new mountain. It's Acting time for, for me. comedy. Oh, no, yes, yeah, jumping straight in with both feet into a big old wacky comedy. Yes, to put yourself <laughs> up against like some of the greatest comedians in the game and be like, it'll be my first acting role, and I think I'll be great. <laughs> Maybe not. Although speaking of Spielberg, perhaps his. Uh, one of his jaw stars, Richard Dreyfus, I, I could be interested in as one mm -hmm, of our three amigos. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Um, but whilst Spielberg was considering directing, he wanted Bill Murray for the role of Dusty. Um, and instead, in 1986, Bill Murray was working with Steve Martin, but instead in Little Shop of Horrors, which they are. I mean, that really is. That's one of the best. One scenes. of the best scenes. Yeah. Uh, Wait, who's Bill Murray playing Little Shop? He's the patient in the dentist's office. Oh, he is. The masochist who just wants. And it makes Steve Martin very mad because he just wants the pain. And Steve Martin wants it to be more painful for him. And he's not getting that, that so uh, thrill response. I, I haven't seen that movie in a while. I just uh, watched the original, original, the 60s Little Shop of Horrors, uh, which has Jack Nicholson in that role like oh, it, i think it's right. his very first movie uh which is wild to see because he looks and sounds so much like jerry lewis very Whoa. strange very weird. weird seeing an early 60s jack nicholson talking and looking like jerry lewis worth checking out a wild film the roger corman's the little shop of hearts didn't you say it was filmed in like two days something ludicrous uh, according to imdb it was filmed in two like two and a half days i can't understand and maybe that was a typo and it's really two and a half weeks but that's still a very quick time but it is Roger Corman. He knew how to stretch a dollar and then make a movie with that single dollar. And we're going to work for 72 hours straight and then we got ourselves a film. <laughs> and we're out of there. Uh, <laughs> but let's move on to old little Nettie, Ned Niederlander. So, Amy Joe, your thoughts on Martin Short and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's so good. The, the scene for me that really that I'd completely forgotten about is at the party, um, like the, the one after they think they have saved the town from El Guapo when really they just like the guys like ran off being like let's check this out later he's like there's a shot of him on this staircase surrounded by all these kids <laughs> the kids are silently <laughs> listening to him telling an anecdote about Dorothy Gish telling him kid you have got it and he plays it so straight and it is so a monologue you could put verbatim into another film and it would work like as a heartfelt moment <laughs> sitting on the stairs talking to all these kids in an impoverished village in Mexico about Dorothy Gish Lillian's sister it is so funny and he but it's pitch perfect and it just thinking back because I, I i guess i just like when last i saw it i guess i wasn't a professional actor i was still a training program so i'm like it's very it hits different when you're around <laughs> actors all the time and you basically said that monologue to someone seriously yourself <laughs> um so i think he's he's so funny he's very charming 
And yeah, I think he does a great job of walking the line of absolute absurdity. And then, um, you know, when he needs to ground it, he's there. Um, how old would he have been at this time? Like, in I his... believe he was 35. Okay. So mid thir- so a grown ass adult. <laughs> um, but like the whole like little Nettie of it all be like, I flew one and little Nettie goes to war. It's like, you can <laughs> see the child actor that was, you know, or the teen actor that was like just in the way that he talks about it. And it's kind of like endless optimism and everything. And I just, I find it very charming. Um, this this is an SNL person from several years later, and I do not think would be nearly as good as Martin Short, but I could see very easily in the 90s if this was made, this would be like the Dana Carvey role. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I also thought, and this is a person who easily could be in probably any of the roles, but this is where I put Christopher Guest. As far as if this was a Christopher Guest joint, I feel like he's probably totally. pitching it pitching it up in that, in that way. Um and then I thought, you know, it would be really fun in this is Will Forte. Oh, sure. Um, a young Will Forte. Uh, just makes me giggle to think about it. And then for my track where I had my dream team of women doing this, uh, I thought Phoebe Robinson would be very funny here. Love it. So, yeah, them's my picks. Love them picks. Uh, how about you, Adina? What are your thoughts? It's so funny to see Martin Short playing, like, the like low-status character. Because I feel like he's such a big character and like in and then like what i know him from and i think what he kind of like became quickly was like always playing high status maybe i'm wrong but like thinking of all of his other characters he just takes up space so well like i feel like he's always the one that's taking up the most most space in the room between only murders like thinking of jiminy jiminy glick jiminy glick totally (laughs) or like maniac and um Mm -hmm. father of the bride he just always takes up so much space. So in this, to see him being like so tiny and so like <laughs> fresh faced with these like twinkling eyes. It was funny. It was just funny to me to like see them playing a character where I feel like as like Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short like aged, they're no, they're not playing. I mean, they are playing characters, but like you can't see the space between them and the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their in usual this, I feel personas. Like, yeah. Yeah, and so I which feel feels like, in this- like a, a really bizarre skill, right? Because it's it's not the same as like Julia Roberts playing a persona, right? Because they're also totally. being funny under a particular set of circumstances, um, but still delivering what needs to be delivered. Like I never see them, and I think, oh, they're doing the same thing over and over again. Like it always feels fresh and funny and present, um, whereas some movie star type people, I feel like, are just rolling out the same shtick. But maybe it's because the the comedy of it is more dazzling i don't know but yeah it's it's it was just so funny to be like i see them playing like i see him playing this character where i've never seen him playing a character before in a way because he i guess he was like young and i um you know he wasn't martin short in all caps yet (laughs) yeah he had Um, setc he had a little snl but this was he had like a few like tv and film things but this was like the first big movie that he was in yeah and it's, I mean, I just think he's so great and you can see like w- why he becomes so great. I mean, he's one of my favorite. Actors. I think he's so funny. But it's also just like what you said, Amy Joey, like about the the grounding in, in reality and like that Dorothy Gish monologue is like so earnest. Mm. It's just, it's <laughs> all so earnest. So anyway, I think he's great. Um, so I don't have as many options as I did for the other one. Um, uh, <laughs> that is okay. But, <laughs> I thought um, Rick Moranis. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought if Michael McKean would be in this, I thought that he at this at a younger age could be yeah. a Ned. I, he I could see also it. Be a mm-hmm, Dusty. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Rubens, aka Paul oh, Hunter. oh, sure, yeah. I would love to see him, and I think that having a role in something like this would have changed everything for him. Yeah. And Robin Williams. Of course. That could be great. Um, And then uh, if we were doing it now, one of my favorite peeps is Zach Woods uh, from Silicon Valley. So funny. I mean, and many other things, but I think that he would be so sweet in this role. Oh, yeah. And thinking of him as like little Ned, but being like, you know, six But being this giant (laughs) scarecrow. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Um, and then you know, I, I, you had said Eddie Murphy for Dusty. I mean, you said that he was not actually considered, but at this time, I had with a question mark put him by because I, I feel like Eddie Murphy became like this, like kind of like sexual being like later in the '90s. But I feel like when he was younger, he kind of had that like fresh faced energy, and I could see him playing Ned. I think also his stand-up persona was very different than his film persona at this time. Like, and there wasn't as much overlap in the way that like we now with Netflix see so much stand-up. If you, if you want to, there's so much available. And so that those identities tend to be closer um, as opposed to like, if you went and saw stand-up comedy, you went and saw stand-up comedy, but if you went and saw a movie, you might not know that whole aspect of his, his stand-up being so raunchy. Yeah, right. Because he had right. forty-eight hours, and I forget if Beverly Hills. I forget if he'd already done Beverly Hills Cop at this point, or maybe this is like the same year as that first Beverly Hills Cop. But it's around that time. But he at least had forty-eight I mean, hours in terms of. Oh, and I think, or no, one's trading places. Oh, I think yeah. coming to America was maybe was eighty. I think was just like a year or two after. It's all around, but that's still though. like got. He's rather idealistic in that as oh, well. That's very you true. Know? Mm-hmm. That's very true. He's very. He's so charming in coming to America. Uh, yeah. That's great. Were those were those your picks? Yes, and well, I also was thinking. I thought we could do an Anchorman trio just for like the whole thing, and so I was oh, thinking yes. like Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, and Paul Rudd. Um, yeah. And I don't know if Paul Rudd would be Ned or if Steve Carell as his mm. character in Anchorman would be Ned. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it's if it's if it's their characters from Anchorman, it's Brick Tamland. It's it's little Bricky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, little Bricky. Yeah. <laughs> Little little Bricky goes little Bricky goes to war. Uh, that's absolutely an anchorman <laughs> and spin-off then I want. Paul Rudd a la like What Hot American Summer or Veronica oh, Mars, yeah. his guest spot, yeah. which we talk about all the time. It's one episode of the less watched season three of, of Veronica, Veronica Mars, Mars, but he is so good As on a it. Washed out rock star. Just, just like, so funny. You know, life. Like just being a total <laughs> just looking at Kristen Bell's like, you remind me of a young feisty Barbara Eden. Just <laughs> Just I doing like the I most random ruddism. I haven't watched Veronica Mars at all, but you guys talk about it a lot. So I and now knowing that he has one guest spot, I I think that you that could, bumped it to the top of my list. You could truly just watch that episode, but if season one is like the gold standard, if you also okay. cut out a there's there's a supporting character arc that I'm like I don't need this guy. I don't need. So it. if you cut around that supporting part, <laughs> then it's perfect. It's perfect television. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I I also was thinking Dana Carvey uh, I could see in this, or even I could see the young Mike Myers in this. I mean, it really does feel oh, like yeah, that totally. SNL vibe because it's such right. it's so broad. It's such a broad comedy. Like it's so overtly silly, opposed to the comedies that also have like 
a kind of groundedness in them. Um, but I could see, I could see like a Matthew Broderick in 1986. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. Him or Alan Ruck coming off of uh, Ferris, Bueller. Ferris Bueller, I'd be interested in. Or Made Today, this is where I would put Ben Schwartz. I think Ben Schwartz as little, little Nettie That's also would, very funny. would be <laughs> absolutely precious. So Steve Martin wrote the movie for himself, Dan Aykroyd, and in the Ned role, John Belushi. So he'd written this because John Belushi died in 1982. So that he'd written this like in the late seventies, early eighties, clearly, uh, very different to have John Belushi in this role. So different, but I'm interested, but that is like similar to having like someone very, like Zach Wood, someone very tall to have John Belushi. And like, that's me, little Nettie. Everyone knows me as this little kid. And you're like John Belushi. Well, that makes me think like, I'm interested in a young Jack Black in that part. Like what does that get then? You know? (laughs) Oh, you, you have this with like Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. I mean, Steve Carell or like Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, and Jack Black as in the Steve Martin, Chevy Chase and yeah. Martin Short roles. I, I think there's like so many like throughout, you know, you're either going to like the 90s SNL people, you're going to the Apatow people yeah. um, that you can kind of find like, well, who's the version of this kind of trio today? And I do think that's interesting to like see like what would this look like today? Because this is not an there. I, there were like news articles about this. But after making Avengers Endgame, Chris Hemsworth said, just like as a joke, like saying, oh, you know, we were all saying how much we wished we could keep making stuff together. And we were saying, like, what if like me, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., what if we like remade Three Amigos like that? Not being serious. There's all these news articles about Chris Hemsworth interested in Three Amigos remake with Chris <laughs> Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Just, and that I don't need. No. I nor want. Is I those do three. like Robert Downey Jr. I, yeah, I, yeah. I am a fan of his. So I could, I would. I, I could see Tropic Thunder version of this. Ben Stiller, mm-hmm, RDJ, mm-hmm. and Jack Black. I could see that trio. Or Jay Baruchel. Jay, Jay Baruchel as the Ned Niederlander role. Mm-hmm. He's like a real little awkward beanpole. Uh, I'd, I'd like that energy. But yeah, so when Steven Spielberg was considering directing, he, ding, ding, ding to Adina, wanted Robin Williams. He wanted <laughs> Bill Murray, Steve Martin, and Robin Williams. Uh, and I think that'd be so good. Yeah. Martin I mean, Short's incredible. incredible. But if we couldn't get him, like, I mean, if, of course, any bonus Robin Williams performance we could have gotten, I would, of course, yeah. would love to say. But I think he would slot in nicely uh, with this trio. And he's just, he's he's like the other actor who, to me, is like Martin Short in that he is so grounded. Oh, yeah. Just even even in the most outlandish stuff he would do. Yeah. Like, it's it, amazing. I mean, like, the, in it. the more grounded you are, like, the more bizarre you can go and make it work yeah which is why kevin klein is so successful in comedies yeah Yeah. uh and because you know we were only looking at these two uh characters and there's not a ton of people up so i thought it's time to play another quick round of two truths and some guy works the same way to the following actors up for the role of ned and one was not and amy joe and adina are gonna have to guess which is which so we'll kick it off with you amy joe your options are daniel stern John Candy and Rick Moranis. Mm. Mm. When was that awful movie Chud? It must have been around this time. I'm just thinking about how much he's going to be up for things, the old D Stern. Um, Daniel Stern, Rick Moranis, and, and John Candy. And John Candy. I'm, I'm going to go uh, 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 Daniel Stern. And you, Adina? 
I too am gonna go Daniel Stern, and not to be like we both guessed the same people both times, but but that's how it's happening today. (laughs) Good thing too, because ding ding ding, if you as far as I can tell, Daniel Stern was not considered for Three Amigos, but John John Candy would have been really funny in this. (laughs) Yes, he'd be great. He'd be so cute that it's just John Candy as little Nettie. It's like, oh, that's right. Oh, I learned to fly it, and then little Nettie goes to war. Um, So I'd seen two things i'd seen that he was just considered and then just like wasn't interested i saw somewhere that it was because he wasn't able to ride a horse uh but he's ridden a horse then i saw that he'd ridden a horse in another film so i don't know if maybe he learned how to ride a horse later or don't really know the level of truth in regards to that but i saw that he was considered uh, once again, instead, in 1986, he was also in Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, but he's right. the one, because he'd worked with Martin Short on SCTV, he recommended they check out Martin Short. So he helped get them at least looking at Martin Short. Uh, uh, and This is what pals are for. And this yeah. is how show business should work. It's like, okay, I can't do that. But you know, I have an incredibly talented friend and you yeah. should know them. And John Landis had said that if Martin Short turned it down, he would have gone with Moranis. Which I would love. Totally I think it. also it's like, you know, it's not just the whole shortness of it all, um, but it does help just visually to have. That's also why I'm like Chevy Chase and Steve Martin just visually are too similar to me. I like I just want different, more wildly different energies. Uh, right. And Rick Moranis would definitely give that just sweet little Seymour Krellborn just trying yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, he always gives such uh, hope in his performances. Yeah. And uh, those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. There are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Um, And not so brief, because we got to talk about Steve Martin as Lucky Day. I mean, he's so charming. Like, this is, I get, like, of having to, it's fun to to come up with new trios and whatnot. But, like, I can't imagine losing Steve Martin. I just, I also just grew up more with Steve Martin films, Mm -hmm. especially Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, all of me and and little shop of course um so i am always charmed by steve martin's specific brand of of comedy and he learned apparently he learned all those lasso tricks while working in a magic shop at disneyland as a teenager oh, oh. Kid, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful because i was very impressed i thought like yeah lassoing. that's a trick that's a rigged lasso and then he like did some stuff i was like that's that's a Stunt guy, right? But I'm delighted to know that it was just him because he's like, look, I have my misspent youth was spent in the gift shop at Disney where I was working a retail counter. I think that I, 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 from what I don't know him that very well, but from what I gather, he really loves his like little special skills and like he loved doing magic. And like, I remember hearing that story about him working in Disney and like how he learned he like loved magic and that's what got him kind of into doing stand-up and making it like a little out of the box and then even like with his like ukulele stuff like on set he would like play the ukulele or like we would have like a zoom read through and he would like play the ukulele on a break <laughs> just so we all had like oh, ukulele that's music in our living rooms <laughs> so fun. Um, when i when i went and saw um uh the broadway show that he that he co-wrote uh um right star uh, thank you i was like What's it called? I can see the set in my brain. At intermission, they had him. He came out in this purple suit and uh, a couple of other people from the band. And they just jammed during intermission. He had his banjo. And they just, oh, and everyone amazing. was like, Steve Martin's here. Like everyone was just really excited. <laughs> and apparently he was, he was doing that. Um, you know, there was a period of time where he was doing it for a bit to try to drum up some 
um, more sales, you know, for, for tickets and everything. But he apparently would like, my friends who were in the show were like, oh yeah, sometimes he'll show up and then he'll, he'll be in his suit and then he'll just ride his bicycle home. <laughs> like that's, that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so great. Cause you know, it's like, apparently like the music stuff is what he's been doing more of in recent years. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, if you're really good at that and you're like, I've done kind of, what have I not done as a comedian right. or an actor? you know, let me do some other stuff that maybe I've done less of. So. Right. And it was interesting to see him in this film. Cause I feel like, I feel like as he got older, he maybe he, he sort of got um, nerdier in a way that I love. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like in father of the bride or whatever, like he's like kind of like the, like there's a nerdy quality about him. Um, and, and in only murders and, oh, yeah. uh, and I think, watching him when he was younger coming out of stand-up there was still like it's like he didn't accept that he that he was there was still like a little like of a the wild and crazy guy the wild and crazy guy yeah totally and like in only murders i feel like he's like so defeated in that way like and that suits him really well um and so it's funny to see him like still have like be like i know you're you're there's a nerd under there (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's Um, that on the unearned bravado that he does he so does well. Brilliant. Yeah. Because yeah. like you yes. have no reason to have this much chutzpah and confidence <laughs> yeah. as this character when you're such a dummy. Well, he does. I think, yeah, a lot of those films in the 70s and 80s, he's playing this like charming, goofy Lothario, which is a really fun color on him. I think maybe because he never feels dangerous in that way, probably because of exactly yeah. what you're saying, where, you know, it's like, well, underneath it, you're just a you're just a comedy nerd. Um, but it's just like, like, yeah, two wild and crazy guys or, or the dentist. like the dentist dirt or dirty rotten, something like that, where it's like, he's I mean, like the jerk, the jerk. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, what's the, what's the one where he's in all those, uh, stitched into all those noir films, oh, dead, men dead men don't, don't wear, wear plaid. plaid. All these so things good. where it's just like, yes, I'm the romantic lead, but then I'm going <laughs> to drop spilled something on myself, you know? So he's undercutting that while still really doing the thing, which is, is really fun. But it is also, yeah, interesting to see. Uh, Hugh Laurie had some interview or, oh, no, maybe it's Bill Murray. Some comedian just talking about, like, the when you're younger, the kind of comedy you do tends to be just, like, much more energized and all this, and then you just come to get to a point where you're like, and that's a young man's game, and I'm going to do something more nuanced now that I am an adult <laughs> and have a different comedic sensibility. And it is interesting to see people who have a continued body of work over time and how that, how it shifts as their interest in what they're trying to mine from comedy shifts. And I think what they have to prove too. having hung out with a lot of comedians, thanks to my brother, like when we'd all go out after Herald night, uh, which is a UCB format, whatever we like all go out and just to see the comedians, like trying to impress one another and the like joy and desperation in a lot of these like interactions. And it's like all these comedians in their twenties, like all, you know, hoping to make it to a weekend team and then to SNL or whatever, you know, and a lot of those people have gone on to do like, you know, major things, but seeing that kind of young, I still have so much to prove energy, how it manifests in comedy specifically from comedians. Like it's interesting to see how that does shift over time and what you get more comfortable expressing. It, it was definitely still the energy on set between the two of them. <laughs> like, because right because now they're like, they are their personas, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is why I was just always so awkward around them. Because I couldn't be like, so where in the city do you live? Or like, how old is your daughter? Because it just sounds like, I don't know, like I'm creepy. 
asking yeah. i don't know oh. but but so but they would they kind of like embody their personas on set and they would like in between takes like everybody would just listen to them like make fun of each other. they basically would just make fun of each other and it was like hilarious and uh and they're still like rehearsing this the the two-man show that they do um because they had a few gigs like in the middle of our shooting schedule because it got delayed and the shows were already scheduled it was like watching them like rehearse little bits and then when Amazing. Tina Fey was on set too, then like they were kind of trying to impress her and like make her laugh. And then she was Aww. trying to make them laugh. And like, <laughs> and it was just like, I have no place in this room. I will stand in the corner. <laughs> well, luckily you were also playing an awkward person. So you can just be like, I'm just yes, a character. Oh, I used it. I used it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's my fuel. <laughs> I was listening to, there's a, there's like a Hulu podcast on only murders like oh, going yeah, through every yeah. episode so i was like listening to a few episodes and they have interviews with basically throughout the course of the whole podcast series they have everyone from the writer's room on and then they had a bunch of the actors on as well and on the final episode they had martin short and they asked him like when did you and steve like first meet because you've done a lot of stuff together and he said like oh i met him at his house when i was going to pick up the script for the three amigos. So I guess he had like been cast and was going to pick it or maybe he was taking it to look at it. I don't Why know. Why didn't he just email it to him? In 1985. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he walks in and he's like, and it's beautiful, like beautifully curated, all these like beautiful paintings. Like I forget what all he said, but like there were like major artworks hanging on the wall and everything. He's like, you know, and I, I mean, and I ask him, I'm like, how'd you get such nice stuff? Cause I've seen your work. And then <laughs> Steve Martin apparently like just starts laughing. And then he hands the script. He's like, eh, can you get this script to Martin short? And, and <laughs> he was saying, and that's been our relationship ever since. <laughs> like, that's very funny. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's great. That's so funny. Uh, we talked about them a bit. We have Phil Hartman and John Lovitz and Joe Montaigne. Just as like the trio of them, they, they're so fun. I I wanted like just a moment. I mean, I guess that's not the, what the film is, but I'm like, it feels like the kind of thing where they somehow get theirs at the end, but it's just like, just for this long. I feel like this if this were made scene. today, we would check in with them again at the end. Like we would see, yeah, they get some slight comeuppance in some way. Yeah. But they're, they're all fun. I mean, I, yeah, seeing Phil Hartman, it is wishing that we had Ugh. Phil Hartman in a bigger role, just more bigger roles for Phil Hartman when we had him in general. Yeah. Uh, we have Patrice Martinez as uh, uh, she's great. Carmen, Carmen, she's fantastic. So good, yeah. She, like, she we, plays the straight person so beautifully in the with, yeah. without being the butt of the joke. She's ever. so so exactly. earnest, yeah. And then she gets that great laugh line right at the end of the film, and Steve Martin is like, you know, I'll come back one day, and she goes, for what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, right. I thought I, I thought you and I. No. Also, never. her hair, her hair, and her hair yeah, acting, and her cheekbones. Ugh, how beautiful. dare? Frankly, how dare? Just so. <laughs> like, and when the I think she's credited as hot senorita comes out from nowhere to like oh make out God, with Ned, which is so <laughs> funny. But I was like, oh, it's hard to be hot senorita when you've been looking at this Patrice woman. The whole movie was just absolutely stunning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because we looked her up, I didn't realize that she is uh, in Beetlejuice as the receptionist in the like, Miss Argentina life. Yeah, Miss Argentina. Uh, she's oh. uncredited as girl in train in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So we're gonna. Have oh, to- I know exactly who she you is. You know exactly who she is. Uh, Portofino. Uh, I'm from there. Like she's who? Okay, Michael Caine 
is like, I'm going to get this jackal off my trail. So he's like, oh, you know, oh, the so-and-so's uh, only, only elderly retired couples like myself. And so then he calls his assistant and has one of his like, like goons who happens to be like a hot uh, young woman with a French accent, like going as though she is from Portofino so that Steve Martin will follow her off the train oh. and get off before. So I know exactly who that is. There you go. She's great. There you go. And in her one scene. She's in 89 episodes of some Zorro TV show from the nineties huh. that I'd never heard of before, but apparently this thing ran for years. Wow. Uh, but, I hope and she, then she, she died quite she died quite young from oh. I'm oh. not sure if it was cancer or something, but she died in her fifties mm. um, oh, from so an, an extended illness. I know. Um she's wonderful in this. And it, it is one of those things where you're like, why don't I know this person from more? And you're like, oh, because they they passed away quite young. Mm. But, yeah. But she's wonderful in this. Yeah. Uh I wanted to mention as El Guapo's kind of like number two jefe. We have Tony Plana, who he was Ignacio on Ugly Betty, who I don't know if he was either, because I never watched the show, but he has the same last name as America Ferreira's, as Betty. Uh, so he's either her father or uncle, but he's in the entire series. Uh, oh, this wow. year, he had done uh, the movie Salvador for Oliver Stone, and then Oliver Stone was making Platoon. So he had he pretty much had to pick between doing Three Amigos and doing Platoon. And he said that he knew that shooting Platoon in the Philippines would be such a difficult shoot compared to the five-star hotel that was being provided in the Tucson location for Three Amigos. And Oliver Stone did not talk to him for years. <laughs> <laughs> but he's very funny in this. Very he's memorable. Very Got a lot of great lines. Yeah. They he do. They with have that hair. Oh, and the oh, hair. The whole time hair. I was like, great hair, hair acting. Hair. Yeah. <laughs> what product are you using? Yeah. And, and how are you getting it that clean? <laughs> Given your living conditions in this mission. Uh, and Alfonso Aro as as El Guapo. Uh, he's also in the Sam Peckinpah movie, The Wild Bunch. He's the voice of Papa Julio in Coco. And <gasps> he also is a quite an accomplished director. He directed Like Water for Chocolate, uh, this 90s Keanu movie, A Walk in the Clouds, and a TV adaptation of The Magnificent Ambersons with Jonathan Reese Myers. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. He's still directing. He's got things in the pipeline. He's 90. He's, he is certainly 90, what? and he is still directing. Because when they were like, it's his 40th birthday, I was like, this man's 50. And I looked it up, I was like, he's, this man's 50. Uh, I'm pretty wow. sure it's his 32nd birthday. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He's 33. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, two, two. He is uh, very funny. So funny. He's fun. Yeah. So I'm glad great. that they get like, it's not just like, here are three amigos. They're the only sources of comedy in the movie, and the villains are just villains. Like they have like some comedic scenes between him and Hefe of their whole like the, the plethora thing yeah. is word as, again. Play and stuff. This is yeah. a thing that when this is a word that many of us learn from this film is plethora, <laughs> you know. And uh, and so that's that's the scene that you would enact just See, in the lunchroom. It's you know, educational too. This movie's teaching vocab. comedy can really teach the children what they need to know. You know. <laughs> Uh, and I wanted to mention neither of these people are in the movie, but I had to mention that these cut entire parts that were cut. Uh, comedian Sam Kinison played a cannibalistic mountain man who stalks the three amigos during their time in Mexico. Adorned with chicken bones and bloody axes in each hand, he chaps Lucky and Ned, who in turn call out for Dusty to shoot him dead. Dusty eventually does so, leading to a long scene, which this did make me laugh where the mountain man shows Dusty pictures of his beloved family during his final moments. So it's just, I assume, continuing to pull out all of these photos of his love. Like, oh, like, look who I'm leaving behind, like my kid. And look who I'm leaving behind, like my second cousin. But Sam 
Kinnison, like a whole subplot cut. And we get a little bit, just like one poster of uh, Miss Miss Renee. Oh, yeah. We see is like this. Uh, uh, I think it's the dueling cavalier. Yes, the, the dueling, dueling cavalier, cavalier. The literal name of the movie in Fully Singing in the Rain. Fully stolen from Singing in the Rain. That they have of her. Uh, and you, you see uh, Joe Mantegna's like, you know, you amigos are out like Miss Renee films are in. And she is played by Fran Drescher. What? So there's this what? whole opening <laughs> was going to be so much longer that she was meant to be this rival actress who appeared in several Westerns and costume dramas. And she would have been introduced in the beginning. And we would have seen her filming a scene in a Mary Marie Antoinette costume. And I can't stand him. Like literally <laughs> totally. supposed to be. Come on. No, clearly you're getting Fran Drescher. You're not not using the accent. Was and she calling it the dueling cavalier. Was she known at this point? She is in an either a very small role or an uncredited role in Saturday Night Fever. So she's, if not oh, known, she's, on she's the in the business. She's in the okay. scene. Wow. Wow. That is, that is wild. The mountain man scene seems to me the missing part of this absolutely off the rails middle section of the film. That actually does make it seem more like they did conceive of an entire sequence and then we're just like, we don't need this, but we'll keep them like we'll keep singing the, the charming the campfire song yeah. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The settiest set, <laughs> like the intentionally settiest set that ever did set. And it made me laugh so hard when the, when the cactuses <laughs> just came up. I was like, oh, wow. These paper mache cacti. So and good. The owl. I do like the dancing owl. Yeah. Oh, I like the little absolutely. coyote coming up and being like, oh, yeah. is it time to sing? It's so good. Uh, so final thoughts, anything we haven't touched on any other roles that jumped out at you or, uh, just anything else that you wanted to discuss about three amigos? Well, I did when I, I had some thoughts for alternate casting for Steve Martin, but I guess we're not, are we not oh, doing I'm so, no, absolutely. Feel oh, free. just, just, I thought this, I also had, here's where I put a much more contemporary today, Steve Carell. Okay. Like a more yeah. once we've seen him in the office, Steve. Mm. But isn't it nice to know that actors have such dexterity that we could all conceive of them in different roles at different points in their <laughs> careers? Because actors can what act. All right. Um, <laughs> I also I have I have French Stewart here, although I think he could do any of these roles. But yeah. I think he'd be very charming in this. And it's it's really just me wanting more French Stewart. Uh, in the world um because i don't really care to watch the tv show mom but um i'd like to see him in something um i also have john lithgow here i feel like he is a very good like yeah. leader or foil and i had mm. tim meadows here i thought he would be very oh. funny okay, and then yeah. for my my trio of ladies it's like oh you know who i want leading leading a band of hapless actors is ali wong i think she'd be very funny Ooh. Yeah, just like just just enough status, and then being a total idiot. You know, I think it'd be great. <laughs> so those those were my thoughts, even though I missed the boat. Um, <laughs> my my other final thought is in the opening song. I never tire of hearing them flip into that stupid falsetto. It's just <laughs> so funny every time. I don't even mean the long note, which yes is funny, but just the oh, because they all do a facial thing with it. <laughs> and it's, it's just funny orally and visually. So oh. I was just, this might be the earliest film that I can think of that that used the like extremely long uh, joke as a joke. So like the long note or like, the, like Steve Martin continuing the, the bird calls for so long. Like, oh, I don't think that I was aware of that, like comedic 
tactic until uh, Family Guy. Oh, right. When they really, they really, they really explored the, lim- really the limits. When yeah. you do the thing for so long that it's no longer funny and then it becomes funny again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. it does make me think of In Dirty Rotten Scoundrels when Steve Martin is just improvising in the jail cell trying to think of Michael Caine's character's name and they just let him go on forever and ever and they keep the whole take in there because it's because he's so funny for that length of time right. that he can make it work well yeah. and i guess I, I i wonder how much was improvised like the like the um when martin short is talking to them the um like telling the his story yeah, yeah like were they like just tell us tell a story or like what did they say and then like how can they stop rolling and how can they cut that so I wonder yeah, if, like, where do they let them from. all improvise for these? Yeah. Yeah. Or they were like, because I guess if just... Steve Martin wrote it, then, you know. Yeah. Then it's also easier if, you know, if your writer is also an actor, it's there's a little more, I think, freedom to be like, we can be having fun with this. What if we tried this? What if we tried that? Right. Yeah. What's funniest yeah. in the moment, especially just thinking of the other people that were considered. I think it was slightly then tailored to the people that they had and i think oh, that sure. makes sense to allow them to especially this kind of film i'm well, sure john belushi and martin short not the same type <laughs> of that. what do you mean well, he's in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, great well i want to thank you so much adina, adina for joining us to talk about three amigos <laughs> it has been such a delight to have you here oh, with us i am so honored and what a great what a great reason to watch this movie Absolutely. Yeah, seeing your co-workers on the big screen, you know. Oh my gosh. They're famous. <laughs> They've been famous for a long time. They've been famous for a long time. <laughs> Amy Joe. Jeff. What you recommending this week? Gosh, I'm gonna recommend everyone check out Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Um, season one streaming. By this point, the first two one or two episodes of season two have dropped. I've seen them. By this point, I'm sure. And I'm shocked by the turns of events. Um, <laughs> but yes, Adina plays Poppy, Tina Fey's assistant, and is very funny. But there's also just like a million New York actors to love. If you're a New York area theater nerd, you will recognize many friendly faces. And if you're not, you'll just see a lot of damn fine acting. And uh, I think that's reason enough to watch. So that's what I'm recommending. Amazing. Uh, how about you, Adina? What would you like to recommend? I am also recommending Only Murders in the Building. Um, but, but seriously, I, um, I think I'm a little late to the game on this one, but I just started watching Love on the Spectrum. Uh, the oh, I've heard it's show great, but I haven't Netflix. seen it. There's an Australian version, and then they made an American version, and I watched both of them. And it's just, it's like a reality TV show that is really good hearted. Uh, about uh, people on the autism spectrum uh, and the producers of the show, like uh, you kind of follow them, learn about their families a little bit and learn about their lives. And then they have some like coaches come in to like work with them about on like how to have a date successfully. And then you watch them get paired up with people in their cities who are like in a similar place on the spectrum. And it is so endearing and so sweet. And these people, I feel like, um especially being in New York like you there's a lot of people watching when you live in New York and sometimes you'll see some somebody who maybe seems a little odd and i feel like this has like put into perspective to me like how how many people have autism and just like i have so much empathy for for like every 
odd person I've ever seen <laughs> and like I yeah. I just it's like it's so beautiful to see um to see them open themselves and and to see their families and um and see them hopefully find love that's love on the spectrum on Netflix oh, fabulous I've yeah. heard it's great yeah I've yeah. heard I've uh, heard that recommended before and now I'm gonna have to check it out absolutely yeah uh and do you have anything uh of your own that you'd like to plug while you're here with the Sedina or and or where can people find you on the socials yeah um you can find me on Instagram um at Adina Versen Versen spelled like person but with a v instead of a p um <laughs> and that's that's the only social I'm on that's that oh and you can find me at adinaversen.com Ah, brilliant. Heck, for all the news. <laughs> for the headlines. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and this week, I'm going to recommend uh, the new comedy that just came out, a Hulu exclusive, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, directed by Sophie Hyde and starring Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick, uh, which is the logline is Emma Thompson is this uh, recent-ish widow who over the course of, we see over the course of four sessions, her and the sex worker, Daryl McCormick, that she has hired. Uh, it is her being an incredibly sheltered uh, middle, like middle-aged woman. And uh, the two of them are so good together. It's very funny. It's very touching. And it's just this really ultimately very sweet, like sex positive, body positive uh, film. And Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick, who I wasn't familiar with, are giving like just two great, great, great performances. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking out Good Luck to You. Leo Grand. Now, quick question about that. Do they ever use the Duran Duran song Rio Grande in it? Because that's all I can think of every time you talk <laughs> about it is Leo Grande. Yes. Sadly, they don't. So it's a real missed, missed opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> uh, but be sure to check out Good Luck to You, Rio Grande. <laughs> and that's what we're recommending this week. Da -da -da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Check us out on Instagram at andalmoststarring for advance notice of what film we'll be doing next week and just general shenanigans. One more time. Huge thanks to you, Adina. So glad that you could join us. So great having you, you here with us this week. Thank you guys ah. so much. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Mitchell Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost died.